looking at a little bit different lesson, uh, but 1 Peter chapter 3 is the text that we'll be looking at, and um, this week and next week we are taking a little bit of a, a break of, of just doing Wednesday nights that follow up from Sunday, even though these somewhat do follow up from Sunday, but this is going to be a two-week series, if you can call it a two-week series, I don't know, maybe that's just two parts of the same teaching, but whatever it is, we'll do it this Wednesday and next Wednesday. Um, unless you don't like it this Wednesday, then just forget that I said that and come back next Wednesday anyways. Before I get to telling you exactly what it is that we're going to look at that's a little bit different, I want us to answer a couple of questions and then we'll get to what we're going to be discussing tonight. But my first question, have any of you ever been just fully and completely convinced of something Whatever it is, maybe it's a big thing, maybe it's a little thing, but you just knew that you knew that this was the way that something was or that this was the truth uh, to the point that you would argue for it and then you were presented with clear enough evidence that you were wrong, that you had to admit that this thing that you were just sure that you were sure wasn't actually true. Have any of you ever done that before no no I'm sure some of y'all now and some of it can be it could be little things maybe you can say listen I know that so and so used to live right right there and somebody says no they didn't yes I, I can see it I can picture it I know that so and so used to live in that house and then finally they take you over there and tell you no that's where they lived and you have to say man I was I just knew that that was it y'all done that before Okay, good. It's not just me. I, I wanted to give you an example. Maybe this helps jog your memory of something that, that's happened with you. But years ago, and this is going to be too many years ago for some of you. Some of you are too young for this. Um, but back in the, the late 80s and early 90s, there were commercials uh, that would come on TV for Legos. And they had one specific guy. He was a Lego maniac. Anybody know? Anybody remember those commercials? So, the commercials, I had a friend the other day who's called me. He said, Zach, Zach, the Lego maniac. And I said, that's pretty funny, but that's not how the commercials went. And he said, oh, yes, it is. And I said, no, no, no. My name is Zach. I would remember clearly if that's what, you know, if you are four or five years old, however old I was at the time, and you hear your name on a commercial, you remember that. That sticks with you. I said, no, it was Jack. It was Jack, Jack, the Lego maniac. And he said, no, no, no. <laughs> Listen, believe what you want to, but you're wrong. Well, he pulls up on YouTube, and it just so happens that who puts a commercial of Legos from the 80s on YouTube? It's on there. I looked it up again today just to make sure, and it is Zach. He was right and I was wrong. But here's the thing, I was so convinced that even though now I have seen the commercial and heard it and it has it in writing so that I can know I'm not just hearing it wrong, it says Zach, Z-A-C-K, uh, I know that that's what it says, but still in my head it's hard for me to believe that because I just, I was so certain that it was Jack. And sometimes we get that way, sometimes on big things, sometimes on little things, but sometimes we can get so convinced of something and, and we have to be presented with very specific very solid evidence before we'll change our mind. What I'm leading toward is this question. 
do you think it's possible to use scientific evidence or historical evidence to use logic and reason these sort of things to convince someone that doesn't believe in the existence of God that there is a God do you think it's it's possible to use science or history or logic or reason to convince an atheist or an agnostic that a God does exist do you think that's possible okay so we have one yes we have another yes do we have anybody opposed And certainly I think that, that that happens sometimes because sometimes we can be so staunchly sure of what we believe that it doesn't matter how much empirical evidence somebody can present us with that we're still going to believe what we want to believe. But sometimes that does happen. But I do think it's possible. I, I know that it's possible, and I'll give you a specific example in a while, but I know that it is possible to present enough scientific evidence uh, to somebody that is open to the truth, right? Now, that's the big thing. There are some people that want to be an atheist or an agnostic, and they're not going to listen. But there are some that don't believe in any higher power, but they're looking to find out the truth. And if you could give them solid proof that there is the existence of a creator, that, that they would change their mind. And so it, it does... There has to be the perfect storm of coming across one of those people and knowing how to point them to it. Mm -hmm. That's right. And Lee Strobel is actually the example I'm going to share in just a little bit, his, his personal story, uh, if you don't know that. But so, the thing, the area of Christian thought or 
Christian education that, that, would, that this would fall under, this process, is called apologetics. So that is the area of Christian um, education, Christian life, where what we're doing is we're taking something and trying to prove our faith from logic, reason, scientific evidence, things of this nature. Now, if you haven't heard the word apologetics before, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the word apologetics? I'm sorry. Apology, right? And so the first question is, well, what are we sorry for? You know, what, yeah, are we sorry because we're Christians? Are we sorry? No, that's not what we're saying. So it comes from a Greek word, um, which also comes from a Latin word that's very close, but it's the word apologia, which thankfully that one's pretty close. But the word means defense or to present a defense that was, for them it would have been a legal term, it was a term that they would have used in court. If you gave a defense for something that you had done, then it would be called apologia. And so apologetics is giving a defense of the Christian faith from reason, logic, uh, those sort of things. I really like one of the more famous uh, apologi apolo apologians guy that was an apologist uh, from years ago. Uh, he was a Frenchman. His name was Blaise Pascal. Uh, you, if you know anything about Pascal's Law, this is the guy. So he's a mathematician. He's a physicist. Uh, he invents one. He was one of the first two people to ever invent a mecha uh, mechanical calculator. Uh, we have Pascal's Law because of things that he figured out. Uh, but in, in one of his, probably the most well-known book that he wrote, at least of any concern that had to do with uh, the theology that he studied, because he's also a theologian, uh, was called Pensies, which means thoughts in French. And I want to give you from it, he gives what I think is a very good basic definition of apologetics. Right? If we just kind of say, what is it? Give me a definition of it. I think he does a good job in that book. He, see, he said this, uh, men despise religion. They hate it and fear it is true. To remedy this, we must begin by showing that religion is not contrary to reason, that it is venerable, to inspire respect for it. Then we must make it lovable, to make good men hope it is true. Finally, we must prove it is true. So I know it's not really a definition, but he gives a good explanation of what apologetics is there. You know, that, that what we need to do is we need to be able to prove to people that religion and reason are not opposed to one another. Because some people think that, right? Either you are a scientist uh, who believes all of the scientific truth, or you are a Christian, a person of faith, and you can't be both because they, they run opposed to one another. And if you're one, you can't be the other. If you're the other, you can't be one. And what he says is that's absolutely not true. And what we need to do is we need to show people that they're not contrary, but that actually, whenever you look at the scientific and empirical evidence, that it gives respect to religious belief. But not only that, we need to go further and tell people something that would make them hope that it's true, which would be the gospel. And then we need to prove to them that it's true, which is where the Bible would come into play. So this third question for tonight is kind of a disclaimer question. Because if, if I don't give you this one, then sometimes we can really lose where you think I'm going with this teaching about apologetics. Do we need science as it is currently taught and understood to line up with the Bible in order for us to believe the Bible? 
no, right? So the answer to that is no. And sometimes people kind of get lost in that with apologetics. What I'm saying is not anything that we can prove in the Bible with science should be believed. That's not what I'm saying. So what I'm saying is it just so happens, it doesn't just so happen, but it is true that the things in science do prove the Bible. And the things in the Bible line up with the logic and reason of the things that we study and understand when they're understood correctly. So it's not that science makes the Bible true. That's not it. The Bible's true. It's God's authoritative word. The Bible's true whether science says it is or not. If all the science says that the Bible's wrong, you know what? The science is wrong. That's where we're going with that. Our faith lies in the authority of the Bible. But what Pascal is telling you here is that you don't have to say that science is wrong and the Bible's true. You can say they're both true because science, when we understand it correctly, points to the truth of the Bible. And not just science, math. Uh, and all the, all the different branches of science would point to it. Logic and reason point to it being true. So this is just kind of a disclaimer. I'm not telling you that you need science and reason and logic in order to believe the Bible. I'm telling you, though, that if you spend enough time studying science and logic and reason, it will back up the things that the Bible says, and that's a beautiful thing for us to have when we're talking to people that don't just believe the Bible like we do. So let's look at 1 Peter 3.15, and what we're going to see here is um, really the way that we should go about this process, but also a question that comes up sometimes from people. They like to ask the question, well, is apologetics really something that we need to do? Do we need to defend the Bible with logic and reason and science? Do we need to do that? Does the Bible really need to be defended? And now, in that sense, the Bible doesn't need to be defended, but usually people are asking that with the thought of, is this something that we should spend our time doing, or is this just a waste of time? And I think the scripture tells us here in 1 Peter 3.15 that it's not a waste of time, that it's something that we ought to do Look at verse 15. It says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So when we, when we focus on that center clause of that verse, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. What does that look like? What do you think that means to be ready to give a defense for the reason for the hope that we have as Christians? Okay, so we're sure of what we believe and being able to tell people why we're sure of what we believe. I think it's you know I think that's well I think it is important that we be able to justify why I believe that the Bible is true. You know, if somebody that is truly searching asks me, well, why do you why do you have hope 
in Jesus Christ. Why do you have, why, what's your reason for believing that the Bible's true? I, I should be able to give an answer to that, right? It's very helpful and useful for me to give an answer to that question. And I think here we see that it's, it's biblically commanded of us that we be ready to give an answer to that question. Now, I think it's very helpful whenever folks say, is apologetics useful? Is apologetics something that we should do? It's very useful uh, that the word here in verse 15 for defense is apologia. It's the same word that we use to get apologetics. Uh, Peter here literally says, always be prepared to make a apologia to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Be able to defend in a logical reasonable fashion why you have hope in Jesus Christ. So I want to begin there. We're going to take at least one volunteer. I want somebody to give me a reason why you have hope in Jesus Christ, why you have hope that the Bible is true, why you have faith as a Christian. And you cannot give these answers because the Bible says so. You can't use that answer because that's like using a word in its definition. You cannot say because mama said so. Um, I heard John Piper one time at a conference say that that was the first reason that he would have ever given you why he believed the Bible was true because his mama said so. Uh, and you can't say because my preacher or somebody else said so. Logical, reasonable defense. Why do you have hope? that the Bible is true, that Jesus is God. Why are you a Christian? Can somebody, it could be really short. You don't have to do like a, an essay, but somebody give me some reason that you have. The Holy Spirit, okay? Okay, and so the, your personal experience with the work of the Holy Spirit in you, okay? So the historical evidence that we see there, right, right. So we look at the lives of the disciples, how these men were changed, the things they did after Jesus had left. Okay, certainly. So, yeah, which is, is a very good point. Looking at creation and saying, hey, if this is created, wasn't created by a human, 
uh, if it's created the way that it is, as orderly and amazing as it is, there must have been an intelligent creator that created it. That's very good. again looking at the intelligent design of the human body um, and what we'll do next week is we're actually going to look at I'm going to give you a few of the uh, more popular more well-known more well-defended um, ideas from apologetics so we'll look at uh, a couple of the different arguments the cosmological argument the teleological argument we'll look at a few of those next week to see um, how some of those defenses are made where they come from what they say uh, but certainly, and, and so the good thing here is y'all hit what if, and now I'm not an apologetic professor, so let me go ahead and say, but if I'm giving categories, I list three categories of, of defense categories that we would give for having the faith that we do, and one is experiential, uh, what I have experienced, right? I know that I was like this, and after coming to faith and the Holy Spirit, I know that I am now like this. I have experienced a change, which to me would be part of our witnessing and sharing our testimony, part of the Great Commission that we see in Acts 1. And so that, that's a logical reason. Now, I'm telling you, not everybody's going to accept that one. Right? Every person you talk to, they may not accept it. But it is logical. It's reasonable to think if this thing has changed me this much, that that's a, a logical reason for me to believe that it's true. Uh, then there's historical. There's the historical evidence that would point me to believe that the Bible is true, that Jesus really did uh, come resurrected from the dead, from historical documents outside of just the Bible, to see that the things that are written in the Bible are true. So that historical evidence would lead me to have hope and faith in the scriptures uh, and then there's also science the scientific so there's what I've experienced there's history and then there's science there are reasons from science which are some of the arguments that we'll look at next week one would be if there is an intelligent creation there has to be an inte more intelligent creator now here's the other thing and I'll end with this tonight but look back at 1 Peter 3.15, as we're talking about doing this, right? I, I encounter somebody that's lost. I'm talking to them. Um, I know here are some ways I can talk. I can talk about history. I can talk about science. I can talk about what I, I've experienced. But do you think it's also important the way that we talk about those things? I think it's absolutely important the way that we talk about those things. Uh, and one, because I've experienced whenever somebody's tried to convince me of something in an arrogant in a mean-hearted way, and it's so much harder to believe what somebody says when they're like that, isn't it? But I also believe because the scripture says it's important. Look at the very end of verse 15. Yet do it with what? Gentleness and respect. So Peter here in the scriptures, inspired by God, says you need to be ready. Christian, you need to be ready to give a logical reason to an unbeliever of why you believe and have hope that this book is truly God's authoritative word. You need to be able to give somebody a logical reason why you believe that Jesus 
Christ is the creator of all that we see. But you also need to do that with gentleness and respect because sometimes we can start to think the important thing is for me to win the argument, right? I need to prove this person wrong and beat them into the ground, but that's not the goal. The goal is to convince somebody that doesn't believe in Christ to believe in Christ, which we can't do completely, or at least help them to be more open to the idea, right? The work that has to be done to make somebody believe in Christ is only done by the Holy Spirit, but he can use us, and I think that we hinder the way that we can be used when we are mean-hearted and arrogant. Warren Wiersbe, I'm going to quote him again this week. I know I did last Wednesday, but... Again, he has uh, one paragraph in his teaching about this verse that I think really well puts this idea into words. He said, Peter did not suggest that Christians argue with lost people, but rather that we present to the unsaved an account of what we believe and why we believe it in a loving manner. The purpose is not to win an argument, but to win lost souls to Christ put that very well I decided to use his words instead of mine so it's very important brothers and sisters it is important that you know what you believe uh, it's important to know why you believe it to be able to articulate that to other people but it's also important that you do that in a loving and kind way All right, I want to end with this I told you I was going to give you the story of Lee Strobel Lee Strobel early in life we're looking at like the 70s here he is a uh, well respected man he's a well educated man he has a, a degree in law, uh, study of law from Yale. He's been an investigative journalist at the Chicago Tribune, which at the time, you know, in the 70s, it's a really big paper, really influential. It's a big job. He becomes um, the editor of, uh, the legal editor for the Chicago Tribune. One day, this atheist man, Lee Strobel, uh, whose wife is agnostic, comes home and she has been converted and is now a Christian and is talking about Jesus Christ, talking about Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. And uh, Lee Strobel in the interview I read sp says specifically, uh, I thought that our marriage was going to be over. I couldn't have this wife that was talking about Jesus because that um, he's a very smart guy, but very in his time at this point, everything had to have logic and reason and to him faith that come from, that you had to have uh, to be a Christian didn't have anything to do with logic and reason. It had to do with just being brainwashed or something of that nature. So he says, you know what? I'm a, I'm a scientific journalist. I'm an investigator. Let me investigate this Jesus and prove that he's not real and my wife will then return to being an atheist and everything will be good. So he starts to study and he starts to investigate. And here's uh, a paragraph from him. He says, based on scientific evidence, I became convinced that there is a creator of the universe. And based on historical data, I became confident in Jesus' claim to be the Son of God. He backed up that claim by returning from the dead, and Lee Strobel became a Christian. He wrote the book, The Case for Christ, which chronicles his story and kind of gives the reasons for an atheist. Uh, it was made into a movie just a couple of years ago, a big motion picture. He'd written some other books, I think The Case for uh, the Resurrection, The Case for Grace has just recently come out. Uh, and he speaks for, uh, you know, people all over the nation to help uh, back up this idea that somebody who is uh, a legal-minded, scientist, reasonable, logic person 
can look at the empirical evidence and be convinced that Christ is real. And so I, I give that to you as this. I pray, one, that you might look up Lee Strobel. He's good to follow on social media and that sort of thing. Uh, that you might read the book. I don't get any money if you go and buy the book. But also this, I just want you to see that it is possible. I know sometimes it seems so far-fetched that you would meet somebody and be able to try and present to them logic and reason and that they would end up becoming a Christian. But it, it is possible. It does happen. And Lee Strobel's not the only one. There are other stories. You could Google it. There, there, there are lots and lots of stories of this happening this way. Uh, but I pray that it gives you confidence that it is important that we do what the Scriptures say and to be prepared to give a reasonable defense for why we have hope in the Gospel. If you are interested, again, we'll look at some specific things about apologetics next week. If you are interested uh, in it a little bit more, I can give you some books. I can give you some people that you might look up. Um, if you haven't heard of Lee Strobel, one of the other more popular apologists that you may have heard of is uh, Robbie Zacharias. Some of y'all may have heard his preaching on the radio. Um, he is uh, a really well-known apologist. Uh, he's very good at what he does. Um, and then probably for me, the apologist that I like to follow and read and study the most, uh, his name is William Lane Craig. And uh, if you want to look him up later, his website, his social media, his book, everything he has is called Reasonable Faith. And you can look him up. Uh, and on his website, he does a very good job of taking questions uh, and answering those questions so that if you have specific questions, you can go on his website, search, pull those up and read, and, and it's very, very useful. Um, so we'll look at this again next week. If you have questions, you can let me know. Uh, but before we dismiss, I'd love for us to have another time of prayer. Let's pray together. Lord, I am so thankful that you have given us your authoritative word that you have breathed out, that you have oversaw and inspired not only the writing of, but the passing down through the centuries so that we would have here before us even tonight what we can be confident is your holy word. Lord, I'm thankful that in it we find everything that we need in order to come uh, from being lost sinners to being those saved by your grace through faith. But Lord, I'm also thankful that all the things that you have created point to you as well. Lord, that we can use the creation that you have made to point to you, that we can use the natural laws that you have made. Lord, the laws of physics and the design of biology and the cosmology, that we can use those things to point to you, the God that made those things. Uh, Lord, that math and physics and these things back up the truth that there is a creator and that the Bible then shows us who that creator is. Father, I'm thankful for men so much smarter than me that have spent years and devoted their lives to this practice Lord so that we can have books and resources so that we can understand how to help lost people Lord hear a logical argument that might would make them more open to the truth that you are the only God that has ever existed and that will ever exist Lord help us to be prepared Lord help us to be articulate whenever somebody asks us why we are Christians why we are Christians, why we believe what we believe. Lord, help us to uh, explain that in a way, Lord, that is loving and gentle and kind and that shows respect to that person, Father, that they might be led closer to you. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be your witnesses. In Jesus' name we pray.